Welcome to the ElfQuest Show, the internet's only fan-made podcast series dedicated to the long-running, award-winning, epic fantasy series ElfQuest, created by Wendy and Richard Peeney. I'm David Mizajewski, also known as Thornbreak on the ElfQuest forums. Joining me is my friend and fellow ElfQuest uber geek, Ryan Brown. Ryan's our editor and producer, working the magic to put this podcast together. Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 28 of the ElfQuest Show podcast. Oh um, I'm God. here with Ryan. Hey, Ryan, what's hey, up? Hey, 28. I can't believe it. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, we're here to talk about Final Quest issue number 17. We're a little mm-hmm. bit later than usual, busy schedules, all that. I know you guys have been hearing that from us pretty much all year, but <laughs> such is life. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, in our defense, not really all year. Maybe the last four or five I think, yeah right? yeah so you know for for 2017 maybe that'll be our resolution to try to get these out yeah a little bit quicker but you know yes. life happens and mm-hmm. you know it's just n- nothing deliberate but you know i'm running around crazy with all of my work stuff ryan i know you've got a ton of work stuff on your plate so yeah. um yeah so that is what it is um I don't think there's any big announcements as far as new books coming out. Um, you know, I would just say everybody follow the um, ElfQuest homepage, follow the um, official ElfQuest Facebook page. That's where most announcements come out. But, um, you know, we'll be getting a new um, uh, complete ElfQuest coming up um, in – I'm not sure exactly when. I think is it April is the next book that comes out? Uh, uh, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Or no, maybe it's August because we just got mm. the – the um the volume three yeah i mean i can pull it up right now on google but uh yeah it's coming august a month that starts with an a we're not sure yeah one of of those two um but uh yeah and also the um the the line of beauty the art of wendy peeney um should be coming out um fairly soon um you know we put it was postponed a little bit um to make it better so again watch the the official Facebook page, and then also just keep tabs on the website. I would bookmark it and visit it regularly. Um, so uh, speaking of which, I, I do want to give a quick plug to the shop on the ElfQuest website. Um, it's not something that we've talked about before here, I don't think, but it's pretty awesome because basically um, everything that you buy in there is signed by Wendy and Richard. And they have pretty much everything that is out um, you know, on the shelves from Dark Horse, as well as, you know, older stuff, you know, so they've got, and also from Flesk, I, I should mention too, they've got the Art of ElfQuest and the Art of the Story. Um, they've got Wendy's Mask of the Red Death. They've even got um, some remaining copies of older stuff, like the the Warp Graphics Complete ElfQuest from the 80s, and then they've got the, um, the Reader's Collection from the 90s and the early 2000s. So there's a lot of really cool stuff on there. You can get a gift of her own. Um, you can get the Wolf Riders Reflection um, music. You can also get the infamous um, ElfQuest movie that was Whoa. done. Um, so it, there's a lot of cool stuff on there. So I would uh, recommend checking that out for anybody that's looking to fill in gaps for your collection or even just to get something cool signed by Wendy and Richard if you can't make it out to one of their appearances. Just a disclaimer, I think uh, using the term movie to reference that project <laughs> might be a 
bit of a stretch. And if you don't know what we're talking about, then you absolutely have to go buy one and watch it because <laughs> it's quite a sight to see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the complete ElfQuest Volume 4, I think that might have been what you were referring to. Yes. Is, uh, being published on May 16th. May, of okay. 2017, yeah. All right, so not mm-hmm. April and not August. <laughs> not April or August. But, uh, but the line of beauty, I think, is April. Right, okay, cool. And... I actually missed that announcement. Uh, you said that the uh, release date got pushed back on that one. Yeah, because it was supposed to be out, um, I think... Um, I think it was supposed to be out in like November. Um, and so because there was so much amazing material, mm-hmm. Richard talked to John Flesks and they decided that they were going to, um, you know, basically take a little bit more time to, you know, make sure that they included all of the best of the best. And nice. um, yeah, so I, I'm well, perfectly, good. yeah, I'm perfectly happy to wait personally yeah, to get too. the best book you know, possible with the most of Wendy stuff in it. So stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, Worth the wait. Yeah, so I'm looking on the Flesk website right now, and and the line of beauty is set to ship in April. So yes, okay. Yeah, so we've got line of beauty coming out in April. We've got the mm-hmm. complete Elf Quest uh, Volume Four, which will be out in May, right? Right. Yeah. All right. So cool. Yeah. Two new delicious and, Elf Quest books. Uh, Volume Three just came out last month, right? Right. So yep. if you need a last minute christmas gift although i don't think <laughs> if you're ordering online you won't get it now go to your local bookseller and yeah hopefully you'll I, find one and i've been seeing it out on the bookshelves um, in comic stores yeah me too yeah mm-hmm. so you know not just in comic stores in like bookshops oh right exactly yeah. and, and in like mm-hmm. barnes and noble type places yeah. you might be able to get it on amazon if you have prime in time for christmas but you're you know, right if you're not right. i would hit the bookstores <laughs> yep good uh so uh, issue what are we on now we are on issue 17 mm-hmm. things are progressing nicely we're basically you know uh one issue away from the you know that what will end up being the third final quest graphic novel so basically the third story arc which is exciting also a little you know anxiety you know inducing given that that means that there's um only at this point what seven more issues of the final quest. So we've got just over a year until this, you know, epic wow. giant tale kind of wraps up. So that is crazy. Yeah. I'm sure we'll, we'll spend a lot more time talking about that. Um, you know, over the, oh, yeah. the next issues. Yeah. Over the next, yeah. Six issues or so, right. The final, right. uh, arc. Um, and we just saw the preview for, um, issue 19, the cover came out right a synopsis yeah so spoiler alert uh but that looks very exciting yeah definitely so we've we've got the cover for 18 which is sort of a, a callback to um issue 18 in the original quest and i think i read somewhere it might have been on facebook wendy said she was trying to um emulate her inking style uh from the original issue right. 18 in this issue and she was finding it quite challenging um which i can imagine lots of uh my god lots of hand cramps Um, (laughs) (laughs) totally right yeah uh and uh where was i going with that okay so we've got the cover for 18 and the cover for 19 we've seen both of them so that's exciting yeah definitely Mm. it's um yeah i mean the 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 promotional schedule for the comic industry you know has these things coming out you know, before, it's like the cover for an issue will come out before even the issue prior to it 
has been released. Has been so, released. Yeah. so, um, which makes it kind of interesting because you get a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a spoiler, I suppose, for I would imagine, things. yeah, I would imagine, though, that for Wendy and Richard, that must be challenging because you want to create a cover that, you know, generates a lot of uh, interest um, while at the same time trying trying to create a cover that doesn't give too much away. Yeah, uh, yeah. Along I... with the synopsis that, they, um, that Dark Horse publishes. Right. Uh, you know, you don't want to give too much away with it, but at the same time, you know, intrigue the the reader. So totally. it must be hard. Yeah. yeah, I think I think um the covers are are always sort of vague. I mean, other than the fact that there's characters on them and so you know that that character survives into the next issue, I suppose. But um yeah. you know, there's they're they're much more sort of suggestive than they are literal, I feel. Um mm-hmm. but I think the real challenge must come in writing those blurbs because what do you write without you know, really giving stuff away. And so, um, so props, props to you guys, Wendy and Richard for taking that on. And I'm sure it's, uh, I'm sure you're probably, you know, pulling your hair out trying to write something that is like you said, Ryan, intriguing, but also not spoiling. So, yeah. Uh, Is it Wendy and Richard that are writing those, those, uh, synopses? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's actually Richard that is writing them. And again, he's got to write them like six months in advance. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, for sure. Not an easy thing. So no, no. Um, you mentioned though that uh, having a, a character on the cover, you know, sort of tells us that they survive. But I remember back on issue number two, I think, of Final Quest, um, there was Krim on the cover, and she actually got killed in that issue. Right. Uh, but they did a really neat thing with that because she was sort of outlined in white and looked sort of spirit yeah. or like a spirit right so it could go either way when you're looking at that cover you could just think oh that's just a stylistic right. choice that we yeah. made or possibly she uh bites the bullet in this one so yeah <laughs> yeah and it was the latter mm-hmm. yes it was yeah <laughs> all right well let's um i want to i want to get into this issue because mm-hmm. um you know it it it, it moves the store forward the story in big ways and also answers i think a little bit more definitively than we've heard so far in prior issues about who the quote unquote scary ones actually are mm-hmm. um you know what just i just want to give a disclaimer before we get into this i'm just battling a bit of a cold right now so if there are any uh inopportune coughs or sniffles please ignore them i'll try and edit out as many as i can though just yeah putting it's, that out there. it's that time of year so <laughs> yes it is yep <laughs> Um, so yeah, so yeah. she opens up and Cutter and the Heart Circle are still in the, you know, in the scary one's grove and mm-hmm. lo and behold who shows mm-hmm. up, but Sunstream and Sava in a palace pod. And yeah. we get, we get this amazing scene that frankly, I was not actually expecting would actually happen like on camera. Naked um, Sava. Naked Sava, right? <laughs> not that, but, um, but that was interesting. Um, just, <laughs> You know, actually getting to see this sort of reunion of Sava with her her former tribe, and we mm-hmm. it's it's pretty definitively said, or, or you know, said here that they are the rootless ones. Yeah. Whether they're yeah. actual elves that Sava knew as a you know in her youth, or if they're their descendants, either way, they are indeed the rootless ones, as we suspected and speculated about. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, now it seems like this is sort of felt kind of like a final or there was a bit of finality to 
uh, the hidden ones here. Are, is that what we're calling them now? Is that what they're called? I'm calling them the—they're the, the rootless ones. Scary ones. They're yeah. the rootless ones. Yeah, yeah I guess officially the rootless, the rootless ones. Richard okay. confirmed it, and it's up on the website. So they're you know 100% the rootless ones. Okay. All right. Uh, they're the rootless ones. So uh, yeah, like I was saying, it seems like there's a bit of a finality here to their part in the story. I don't know if that's just my personal interpretation or if in fact uh that's all we'll be seeing of them but i feel like there is still so much more about them that we don't know and that i would like to know uh and that hasn't been revealed like how they became the way they are now i mean obviously through shape-changing magic but Uh uh, you know to get more of a bit of a backstory and origin on on how they decided to become what they are uh, yeah i'd love to see something like that and maybe to see them play uh, a part in in the uh, upcoming, you know, climax of this story. Right. We'll see yeah. what happens. So yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that's it for them, or do well, you think we'll see them again? I don't know. I mean, it, we, we've I think we've touched on this before, and I know it's been discussed on Facebook. Um, and I can totally see this being kind of where their piece of the story ends, because if you think about it, the, you know, it, just from a storytelling perspective, they've kind of played their role in the, in the bigger story, you know, they were this, um, you know, the, they represent the, the, the sort of the elves that just want to stay hidden and don't want to leave. Um, they, they serve their, their purpose and being sort of a scary threat. And then we kind of learned that they really weren't. And, um, and so they, they gave this sort of impending doom feel to, to the arc of cutter descending into madness. But as he's come out of that, you know, we kind of, and learned who they are, you know, the, I'm not sure what else they're going to do within the actual, you know, story arc of Final Quest. That said, I'm I'm with you. I love them and I want to know as much about them as possible. So whether or not we'll get, you know, a big exposition into their their history more than, you know, sort of the 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 broad brushstroke kind of, you know, sort of hinting and everything about who they are, I, I don't know. But. Yeah, and, you know, like how they um, sort of became this hive mind almost, which is something, uh, you know, we really haven't seen before. Yeah. Um, how that all came about would be really interesting to see. But, yeah, you might be right. Maybe that's it for them. But I'm going to hold out hope that they're going to show up again before the end of this series and we'll, we'll maybe get a little bit more backstory on them. Yeah, me too. And, and you know, but here's the other thing to think about. I mean mm-hmm. – <clears throat> at, at this point in the original quest, we had met the gliders. They had played their part in the story. And then that was really all we saw of them for the rest, for that last story arc. So yeah. I could totally see something like that being the case here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's we'll, quite possible. we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I totally thought it was awesome to, you know, see Saba and, you know, Saba in the woods and just being joyous and, um, you know, oh, oh, I know. One of the biggest things that I totally loved about this scene is um, on the page where you know, I know she's... what you're gonna say. I <laughs> what? Okay, say it. What? Okay, okay. So um, on the page where Saba is like, you know, sort of communing with them, and they're surrounding her, and mm. um, and the, the caption says, "Though the rootless one sending is is for none but themselves, their touch, their silent laughter, and secret smiles tell the mother of memory." all that need to be told. And that, that part about the secret smiles before I even read the line, mm-hmm. looking at that panel where Sava is sort of, you know, embracing the, like sort of the, the, the main male rootless one. Yeah. You know, the kind of scowly one with the kind of big head. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I'm staring at this, and I, I, it totally smiling, right? But mm-hmm. if you look at the lines in the art, mm-hmm. there's no uptick in his eyebrows or you know, kind of his eyes squinting like they do when you smile. His mouth is still down. I don't know what Wendy did in that panel. Or, or frankly, the one above it when Sava is communing with the main female one, because um, mm-hmm. they're not smiling, but they're totally smiling, right? Yeah, they are. You're right. I mean, That's you have a to really look, good observation. You have to look yeah. at it to know, to, know, to, to I guess, maybe you know, get what I'm what saying. saying. But, I but do like, know, yeah. Again, there's yeah. nothing about their facial expression that says that they're mm-hmm. smiling, no. yet when you look at the art, you t- they totally read that they're smiling. And I, I think it's, it's – yeah. <laughs> I think it's their eyes. It's something about what she, she's done with their eyes, the way she's drawn their eyes. Well, I'm going to just yeah. quote Skywise and say, I still say it's magic. <laughs> because <laughs> That's also it, a good explanation. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, I totally uh, see that. I'm looking at those panels right now. I love the panel um, on the bottom of that page, the bottom. Well, both of them. Okay, so we've got um, Sunstream and Sava together in sort of that uh, silhouette yep. with the outlines. I love yeah, that. Um, I do too. Yeah. That's a... a technique that wendy's used in the past uh in other images and stories mm-hmm. um and she's a, she's really uh you know she's a master at it it's just uh it's so evocative and um totally yeah you feel yeah, like you're sitting in yeah. in the in that in that sort of overgrown um you know green place with tendrils and vining and you know they're just totally communing with nature it's a very elf questy panel and once again just um in silhouette, you can tell who those characters are, even if they didn't have the coloring on them. Yep. Uh, you know, with Sunstream's blonde hair, and mm-hmm. even in black and white, you'd, without the caption, if you hadn't, you know, read the the preceding panels, you would know who those two characters are. Totally. Yeah. Just by looking at that, I mean, that's so cool. Yeah. Uh, and then the the panel next to that, we get essentially what I've been sort of referring to as the. Um, the new uh true piece totally yeah 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 no that's a great panel and uh you know i'm quite sure we'll that'll we'll see more of that you know in some iteration because it is really awesome and it's Mm -hmm. you know the heart circle concept that was introduced in final quest i think has has really you know resonated with people and kind of stuck with them and you know i see people using it you know just you know my heart circle that kind of thing so i think it's it's that's definitely going to be an iconic elf quest image yeah i would love to see wendy sort of reinterpret that in a more painterly fashion if she ever you know has the time to do it yes Um, check check back in two years yeah exactly (laughs) no pressure uh but uh, yeah definitely would love to see that sort of you know reinterpreted yeah well that's what Um, she did with the original true piece you know that appeared um in hidden years 9.5 and cutter's Mm -hmm. flashback when he's beating the snot out of rayek and then later um i think wendy might have digitally you know, repainted it or painted over it to give it more, again, of that painterly look. And then that's what, you know, all the prints and things like that that we've seen since then have been made off of. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, but that's yeah. That's exactly so, why I'm, I'm referring to that because of how she reinterpreted the original yeah. piece. Yeah. So yeah. it'd be nice to see that one sort of done that way too. Um, just going back a couple of pages, we've got that uh, three panel um, sequence of uh, when Sava and sunstream um are greeted by cutter right and uh i love that cutter 
refers to his son as Suntop. Um, right. <laughs> he's still he's still sort of in that almost like fugue state. I yes. Guess, you know, totally. where he's just yeah. coming out of this uh, this mental state that he was in. Yeah. Um, and I guess he sees his son, and he sort of reverts back to you know when he was a child yeah. and what his name was, you know. Uh, and then and then I know that you caught this too, but Cutter says to him. I can feel your ribs. Have you been fed? And it's, immediately, right, the light yeah. bulb went off. I was like, "Oh, holy shit!" Okay, it's and I had to pull out. I had to pull out book four and just for my. I I knew it, but I had to pull out book four and just go back and go. Okay, that is what Tamain said. Yeah, that's what she yeah. said to Dushine when to Dushine, yeah. when she first um you know converted back into high one form from being a wolf after you know the better part of ten thousand years, and she was sort of you know, kind of in, in a, in a interesting parallel, kind of in a little bit of a, of a daze as well, kind of like Cutter is um, obviously yeah. for reasons, but, um, but uh, that's what she says to, to Dushan. She says, um, well, first, well, yeah, first she says, you know, are, are you, have you been fed? And then she says, when she realizes that Dushan um, is actually an adult and that evolution has you know happened to them and they've kind of shrunk in size. And she says, a child bearing a child, which I always thought was a really cool line. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at any rate, yeah, I think obviously this is meant to be um, kind of a parallel for astute readers to kind of pick up on, not only that demonstrates that Cutter is still not all there. Um, mm-hmm. He's still emerging from this, you know, from his descent into the cave, I guess you could call it. Um, right. But also it's obviously um, an indicator that, that the, you know, Timane and Cutter are two sides of the same being. Um, which is yes. kind of, and still mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you brought that up cause I was going to bring mm-hmm. it up too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But just a, you know, a really, um, clever way of sort of, you know, communicating that idea still that, oh yeah, this is their two sides of the same coin. Like you said, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So th- this scene ends with a really, um, interesting exchange between Cutter and Lita where, you know, basically she, she's treading lightly and she's just being, you know, feeling grateful that Cutter is, is sort of back and, and healed, even if he's not all there yet. And, you know, she says, she basically acknowledges that, you know, I'm not going to ask you what this is all about. I'm just happy you're back with me. And, you know, what I'm meant to know, I'll know. Um, mm-hmm. And Cutter actually at this point says, you know, send to me, which they haven't been able to do, do yet. And so, you know, you, again, more evidence that Cutter is sort of coming back. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought it was really cool. You know, Lita, again, in her character development, we've talked about this in, in other instances in Final Quest, has really come a long way in not sort of forcing herself and 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 really focusing on choice. And I mm-hmm. think that's kind of Lita's theme in the overarching arching elf quest story is that she goes from you know again kind of being sheltered and maybe a little bit spoiled and demanding and bossy um and entitled like specifically entitled to use her magic and after all of the trials and quests and i think largely because of winnow will she's realized that she can't just take you know people's choice away she has to sort of give them their space even though she's powerful enough to do it which exactly. I think is, you know, pretty a pretty fascinating kind of character development. Yeah, I mean, I've read um, 
you know, people's thoughts on Lita, uh, both like fans and also, um, you know, people in the comic book world who've sort of done, uh, reviews of ElfQuest and, you know, they, a lot of people have sort of come to the conclusion that Lita amongst the stable of characters in ElfQuest is the one who has over the course of the 30 odd year storyline, um, progressed the most, uh, her character arc has really, you know, gone from one, almost one, not extreme, but mm -hmm. uh, one, one place to another in a really, um, uh, demonstrably, uh, very, like a powerful way, like where you can see that, that growth of that character, mm -hmm. uh, more so than any of the others. And I think that there is definitely, um, something to that. I think that Lita certainly has shown that growth within the storyline. Yeah, I mean, and what's interesting about that is that it's never been the main focus. Like, her no. character development has always happened. You know, she's obviously a main character, right? So it's not, like, totally in the background, but it's just a part of the story. It's not, like, the point of the story in the same way that, say, I don't know, Cutter's quests are the, are right. the main focus. And so that makes it kind of also interesting because even though it's not the been the – the, the, the top plot line, it's, it's been there the whole time and mm -hmm. it's, you know, she's obviously grown and evolved. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, and just think about this, think about Lita when Cutter got, um, you know, kind of fatally run through by the trolls at the, when in the, that first battle, when the Gobacks rescued them, think about how different her reaction was to that, to her reaction to, you know, Cutter descending into madness and, and freaking out and running off into the woods, you know, the, 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 the Lita of today, you know, she basically was like, give him a space, whatever he decides is what we're going to go with, you know, and she's even kind of trying to guide Skywise in that direction, mm -hmm. you know, saying like, don't use a soul name, which is in a couple mm -hmm. You know, a few pages after where we're talking about now, but yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, just lots of interesting stuff with Lita. But how does she know not to use his soul name? I was thinking about that. Was there something in one of the previous issues where? Well, because because when he first cut her first, you know, figured out who he who he was, you know, with Timane. Oh, when he went mental there at the right, he the, ran out. He ran out of the palace. Yeah, and she used his soul name, oh, and that's yeah. when he he turned on her, and and, yes, and he was yeah, like, yeah. no, like not that. You know, right, right, um, okay, yeah, and so I think that's how she does. So yeah, I think um, so. Uh, one thing he says here is, um, we must keep our ancient kinfolk safe too. They're tied beyond all untying to the forest, to this world, like me. Um, so I was just thinking about that and how. Okay, we have the mortal wolf riders who are tied to the world of two moons through their wolf blood. They're really, you know, um, in in real terms part mm -hmm. of the world of two moons unlike any of the other elves and then we have these immortal rootless ones who are also tied to the world in as cutter describes it in a way that is um you know like him uh so like the wolf riders mm -hmm. uh, and i just thought that was interesting and maybe uh i don't know exactly you know what my thoughts are on that i just wanted to hash that out with you a bit yeah and maybe talk about that like so we have you know because the thing that always made the wolf riders unique and sort of set them apart from the other elves was the fact that they had the wolf blood and that they were tied to the world of two moons mm -hmm. um and they were mortal and but now we also have this immortal tribe of elves who are tied in a way to the world um that is sort of 
you know, uh, similar to the Wolf Riders, although not in, in quite the same way, but Cutter's clearly saying here, like, that they're as strongly tied to the world of Two Moons as the Wolf Riders are, so... Yeah, um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I think I think what the 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 hidden or the rootless ones represent is you know very different than the Wolf Riders. I think that you know again they've remained unique by you know actually having a piece of them having you know been sort of generated on that that this planet, um, and and their uniqueness remains. And it, I don't think it's diminished. But I think what the rootless ones represent is is becoming part of something by choice. And they have obviously are, are also unique from all the other elves that we've seen in the, um, in the extreme way that they have sort of changed themselves to become part of the world, you know? And I think, I think that it's all, it's almost like a, I would almost say two sides of the same coin, but I think it's just the wolf riders are part of the world, but I think the rootless ones represent the fact that through choice, um, you know, by becoming part of the world, that other elves can basically can be at home on the world of two moons. Hmm. Okay. And along with that, the wolf riders now have the choice to become immortal if they want, which right. is what Moonshade's done in this series, right? Yep. In this uh, story arc. Um, so that's sort of opening up choice for everyone. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and at the end of the day, that's what this whole final quest is about. It's about the choice of whether or not to stay or go. Yeah, it was always my impression that, you know, when they were ready to go and the call was sent out, that all of the immortal elves would go, that it would be not really a choice uh, for them in the in the sense that, you know, they would want to go. Right. It wouldn't be something that they would even consider staying. Yeah. Um, but now well, we have this tribe that... Uh, the rootless ones who are immortal elves and who um, it looks like they're going to be staying because yeah. they're so tied to the world. They don't want to go. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So that kind of, yeah, that's kind of an interesting sort of um, uh, juxtaposition between the immortal elves. Uh, well, it's also yeah. a great, um, it's a great example of um, how Wendy and Richard keep us on our toes with their storytelling, right? Because I kind of, mm-hmm. you know, thought the same thing, like, oh, all the mm-hmm. immortal loves will go, and but, um, but surprise, no, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and I think yeah. I, I think it's totally believable that you know this particular tribe that again for you know at least the better part of ten, fifteen thousand years, if not longer, has you know has immersed themselves into the natural rhythms of this planet. Yeah. Um, given up, you know, again, sort of a, uh, a four limbed, you know, you know, mammalian shape and become something a lot more, um, fluid and integrated into the natural energies and, you know, life ways on this planet. And so, um, so anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I think it makes total sense that they would want to stay. Like they don't need to get anything else. Like they've gotten to a place where they have achieved this sort of rhythm and this harmony and this equilibrium, um, you know, with the natural cycles of this planet. So mm-hmm. and they seem really happy about that. And, yeah. you know, so, but yeah. I, I will say that we've already, we, 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 we've already seen the idea of immortal elves choosing to not, you know, sort of go the route of the palace and leave in Oler, you know, who basically has said, I've chosen oh, yeah. the, the, you know, the forest 
Mm-hmm. Uh, to be with New Star. In fact, and frankly, Lita too. She said as much. Yeah, and yeah. also potentially Shenzhen. Right. Totally. Yeah. I mean, she hasn't outright said she's not going to go, but I get the feeling that she's if she hasn't decided yet, then she's conflicted. Right. Or maybe not even conflicted, but maybe just the possibilities open for her to stay. Right. And it seems like she uh, kind of enjoys being a human. In yeah. Being uh, in this. And it, hey, look at that. Next page. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, so, so getting from that scene with Cutter and Lita before we move on, um, you know. How'd you like my little segue there? I, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to like hold us back from diving in, but I just wanted to, to address yeah. again this. This is such a significant interaction here because, you know, a few issues ago, we saw Lita really having doubt and wishing that Cutter would, you know, choose immortality. And here we see her, you know, kind of coming back down to the ground, if you will, and and really kind of accepting and internalizing that Cutter is Cutter and he is a wolf rider. Yeah. You know, and yeah. Oh, and yeah. And she does. But somebody else really doesn't at the end of this issue. Right. Really has a... Do we, do yeah. we just go there? <laughs> the complete opposite reaction. So... Uh, do we go there or do we go to... Let's just go there. Let's, let's, okay. it, it makes logical sense, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, Skywise basically has a, a meltdown Ooh, at the very end. Um, and because... Well, and you know what? I can't say that I blame him because basically, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the details, but, you know, Cutter kind of emerges even more and it's like he's he's like even more awakened than he was before he had his his um you know his his trip into the cave um his descent into darkness and mm-hmm. and of course he's making absolutely no sense he's like oh new quest yeah. everyone we need two edge we need a rock shaper and everyone's like what the hell are you talking i know about? Right? Like, i mean at like, least explain to everyone right. what and the he's hell is like, going on he's like yeah, no he, i'm just gonna keep it secret so he's like i'll but we're going <laughs> He's like hanging out the window, giving Nightfall advice, you know, like, um, and so I don't blame Skywise for, you know, finally, you know, now that he knows that Cutter's back and then to see him act so glib about his life and losing it and whatever, you know, Skywise is like, kind of like, are you kidding me? Like, are you really that much of an asshole to not realize how much we love you and care about you? And, and, you know, with the two of them being, you know, brothers and all but blood, yeah, the shove probably wouldn't have made sense for any other two characters. But, you know, I think Skywise has just snapped and is like, dude, you have led us on this wild goose chase and you still don't even get it. Like you can, you know, talk about throwing your life away you know, and and that coupled with, you know, where we know Skywise's mind is, you know, he says it. He's like, hey, uh, why don't we all become immortal? We can hang out forever. You know, and he's so enamored with that in his mind. And then Cutter's like, nope, I could die right now. I I, I can get why Skywise snaps. Yeah, it would be really annoying uh, to the <laughs> point where you'd probably want to punch the guy in the right. Yeah. You yeah. Know, push him. Uh, um, yeah, I can see that. When Not I first read it, I was like, Skywise is being a whiny little bitch right now. But <laughs> no, I can totally see what you're saying. Uh, yeah, because Cutter is kind of being a bit smug and glib uh, about this whole thing. To well, some he's extent. just... And I get what... It, he's like spiritually advanced now or something, right? Right. He's come out of this <laughs> horrible, you know, dark place that he had to go to. Um, but 
every you know everybody else is sort of left in the lurch wondering what the hell's going on he's taking them like you said on this wild goose chase to the frozen mountain uh, mm-hmm. Frozen Mountains into the Troll Kingdom, uh, which I am glad to see this because I think it was, I don't know how far back, but I remember saying in one of our uh, podcasts, um, what the hell happened to the Frozen Mountain Trolls? Right. Yeah. yeah. What, what happened well, to them? They just disappeared. So now we're getting sort of, uh, you know, uh, we're seeing what happened to them. So Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense that they would still be there, right? That they didn't yeah. just... You know, go away. And... Yeah, well, I was wondering, like, where did the go-backs not encounter them anymore? Like, what happened? So we'll right. see in the next, you know, coming issues what's gone on with that. But we get a bit of an explanation here from Two Edge. Uh, and we'll give it, We'll come back to Skyways and Cutter, but I guess okay. I'll, I'll just talk about this. So, yeah, uh, Two Edge says that um, they... Uh, Oh, as you say, like wood mites chewing through a tree till it can barely stand, the frozen mountain trolls dig and dig and never rest. After several craven le- leaders came and went, they crowned themselves a king whose every word they worship. They were better off under Guttlecraw's Guttle rule. That does not sound good. No. Because Guttlecraw, nah. <laughs> anyone in comparison to Guttlecraw, if you're worse than Guttlecraw, then you're a pretty bad guy. Right. Um... And no, now nothing they build makes sense. It's like they've gone mad. In well, their so kingdom. Let's unpack this because I, when mm-hmm. I initially read that, I kind of had that same reaction, like, oh my god, this new guy must be an even worse tyrant. But the more I, I have read this issue, this is one of the other benefits of doing this so late is that <laughs> I've had plenty of time to, you know, read this and reread it. And but I think it's important to understand who these words are coming from. So. His Tuich says they were better off under Gotokar's rule, but then the next thing he says, now nothing they build makes sense. And if you look at the the, the art there, mm-hmm. it's got this like bizarre, asymmetrical, almost like Escher like yeah. you know, labyrinth. And mm-hmm. to a mind like Two Edge, mm-hmm. who is so like sort of detail oriented and symmetrical, um, mm. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm just. Part of me is thinking that Two Edge is reaction to to this new leader, whoever he or she is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, is is in large part response to this sort of disordered way in which, you know, he or she is making the trolls. Well, the, he does specify king, so I'm going to go. Oh right, and yeah. Assume it's a male. Right? Does he say king? Yeah, they crowned themselves a king. Okay, all right. Yeah. Every word they worship. Totally. Yeah. 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 All right. So it's not drub. <laughs> no. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see. But and, I, and partly I say that, too, is because I can't imagine that Wendy and Richard would give them another, you know, monstrous tyrant, you know, evil, you know, king type since we've already gotten Guttlecraw. You know, it sort of would be treading down the same territory that they've already yeah. been. And, and I think we all know that they don't like doing that. Um, so... So you think there might be a little bit of a, a spin or yeah, a surprise? I, well, I'll yeah. put it this way. Mm-hmm. I have no idea who this king is, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not even going to remotely attempt a guess because I'll probably be wrong. You know, like that's just how yeah. I'm to that, that point with 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 ElfQuest because it's like, you know, well, m- maybe you're in a different place because you, you tend to make guesses that end up being right. But, you know, for me, I'm like, I have no idea what this means. I'm seeing some interesting things. I've got a few theories, but I'm not going to make any predictions until I get the next issue. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, I've been sort of contemplating this one, and I can't really figure out what's going on. Um, well, well. So speaking of which, um, yeah. In analyzing just this 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 panel that we see here, you know, at first I I was looking at it and I see the troll guy, you know, with the stuff on his back, and then kind of flanked by these two other trolls with, you know, just you just see their eyes glowing, and mm-hmm. I immediately read that as like slave. Yeah. But then if you look at the rest of the panel, it kind of mm-hmm. just looks like all the trolls are are toiling. I'm not seeing any guards or whips. Or anything like that. Yeah, so maybe maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't see that either. I saw some conjecture that maybe it was Dor, but I would find it very hard to believe that the uh, Frozen Mountain Trolls would crown an elf as their king. Yeah, Um, I I do too, but I am that... I don't know, I'm not... I haven't totally ruled that out, because... You know, it would be an interesting way to tap into kind of like the real world, world of fairy archetype where, you know, sort of King Oberon is this sort of elegant, tall, elfin type. And then you've got all of these, you know, creepy, crawly, you know, brownies and Mm, yeah, yeah. And so I could I could see maybe a big door and then that that, you know, this being kind of elf quest version of that, you know, sort of in the underground, you know, land of you know, the hidden world of fairy where, you know, the, the glamorous king and, you know, and all of his creatures live. Um, almost right. almost like um, David Bowie in, yeah, in, yeah as the Labyrinth. Goblin King Labyrinth. Yeah, so I could, see, right. I could see them doing that. Um, Although we saw Dor a few issues back, right? We got, got that one panel of him with Chot. Right. Um, yeah. That's it's not to say, though, that he was traveling from the frozen mountains. He could have been. Totally. That's what that's what I was just yeah. going to say. I mean, it says that, uh, if I recall correctly, that you know he's he's tunneling. He and his companion are tunneling, um, and I get the impression that they were tunneling towards the palace. But mm-hmm. who knows where they were tunneling from? I mean, maybe he's yeah. the troll king up there, and he's like, okay, I got to go answer this. You all keep building, and I'll be mm-hmm. back. You know, so uh, yeah, exactly. Um, or I'm if surprised. Means... Yeah. Go ahead. No, I, I'm just. In reference to Dora, I'm surprised we haven't seen any more of him since that issue, because that was several issues ago, right? Oh, I'm not. I mean, this is like, this is classic Peeny storytelling, right? We've only got like five, how many, seven issues left, though? Right. Well, well, think about this. We met Two Edge for the first time in like, what, issue, uh, it was like the Dreamberry Tales issue, which was like, what, issue seven of the original Quest? Mm-hmm. And you didn't actually really, really meet him and see him on camera until like what issue seventeen? Yeah, that's true. Like he was a, like you saw silhouette of him and and you and you know at the end of issue fifteen you saw him sitting next to Winnow Will kind of taunting her, but you didn't really get introduced to him fully as a character, and he didn't really participate in the story fully until. Issue 15, 16, 17. So, you know, right. that was a big stretch. Same thing yeah. in Final Quest. I mean, when did we see the uh, the scary ones, the rootless ones, and their first mm-hmm. Sunstream sent out the call, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They, they they were hinted at, and you kind of got, saw little flashes of them, but it wasn't it wasn't until many issues later where they finally became part of the story. Yeah. So that bit about you know showing Door, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, well actually no, we saw Door too. Now I'm convinced that it was Dor in the in the in the big sending scene. Oh yeah, that was. Remember, we were wondering yeah. if it was if it was yeah. Egg or Dor or whatever, but it, right. that was definitely Dor. Definitely. 
So we saw him back all the way back then. I mean, we saw Dor actually during the the Sunstream's big call. You know, that's actually the first time we saw him. And you know, we were speculating about whether or not that was that was Egg or Dor, but I'm pretty convinced at this point that it was Dor because you know, Egg slash Aura doesn't look like that. He wasn't wearing the helmet, and he emerged in a totally different way. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, I just think Wendy and Richard are really good about knowing the full breadth of where they want the story to go and what characters are going to appear where. So so much so that they know to tease them in like the prior story arc, mm-hmm. you know, so that they kind mm-hmm. of set the stage for when they eventually do become a more you know focus of the story. You kind of know what's going on. So right, um, and that's again just good storytelling. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes of this and who the uh who the troll king is but also uh what the heck they're doing there because i've been you know (laughs) chewing on this and like you said you know i kind of pride myself on being able to figure these things out ahead of time um (laughs) but uh, i have no clue right now what is going on what it has to do with the key what is in the treasure room right um because we know what's in the treasure room or what was in the treasure room it was all the armor and the weapons that's totally. used to fight the the war for the palace right and that's that's war. and i think so. that's a a, a a strong theory that you know maybe that armor is still there and cutter um you know with the impending army of you know the junslanders maybe he, you know, he wants to recover some of that to help protect his people, but I can't imagine that that's it. No, because he says, Cutter says, uh, some. He says, okay, you're you're not the only one who's two and one, old bugbear. Something wrong needs writing. Right. Yeah. So is, so so it's that. What is he referring to? Something right. wrong. All right. So here are my questions. And it's that's connected to the treasure room. Right. And the key. So my questions are, what needs writing? Yeah. Um, well, what was wrong? Right. What's, what what was wrong? wrong? What needs writing? Why does it need writing? Yeah. Um, why is it in the, in the, the, the armor room? Yeah. What the hell? Is that just the only connection with the key or is there something else? Right. He's got, yeah, it's got a major part to play in this this series and yeah. uh i mean that's been hinted at from the very beginning we go back to the first i don't know like six issues he was he pulled the key out of the pommel and he was contemplating it in one scene and i remember referring to that we talked about that right yeah so and i'll actually add one other question to all of that yeah how does cutter know all of this it must have something to do with yeah. Tamane's knowledge right yeah that's yeah. all I can think is that you know he's 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 maybe beginning to tap into, you know what what the the, the she side of them knows. That she was able to tap into what the he side of them knows, and that mm-hmm. is the most bizarre sentence I've ever said. But <laughs> here we are, folks. <laughs> and he Cutter recognizes that two edge is two in one, right? He's half troll, half elf. Uh, he likens himself to being two in one as well because. He is well, well. What does they, he say? You're not even the only. You're not even the only one who's two in one, old bugbear. I think so that's he, just a reference as his acknowledgement that you know that that he and Tamane are are two halves of one being. Yeah. In the, you know, which is different than two edge in the sense that 
you know, two edge is also two in one, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. He's got two sides, you know, two heritages blended into one. So, and I still think that Timorn has a role to play in this as well. Right, I totally forgot about Timorn, but it's something to do with Cutter, Two Edge, and Timorn. I think. Right. Well, actually, yeah, and, and Timorn is also two and one. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I just yeah no I didn't I never put two and two together. Yeah. <laughs> one. So yeah, I'm now scratching to my like, beard with a pensive look on like, my face. <laughs> yeah, like those those three, Cutter, Two Edge, and Timorn somehow are going to solve the riddle of what's going on. Mm, I like this. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I don't really have anything else to say about it because I have no. to think about it now that Me you've too. just... <laughs> but I do yeah. want to um, take one second to focus mm-hmm. on what a delightful word bugbear is and yeah. the fact that... Um, because I posted that panel on Facebook a week or two ago mm-hmm. and some folks were, you know, I, I don't know that if everybody had heard the term or if they did, they immediately um, put it in the context of Dungeons and Dragons, which has a oh, creature yeah. called a bear. Um, but the Dungeons and Dragons word, like Wendy and Richard were not making a reference to Dungeons and Dragons. The Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons creature is based on the actual word, which basically, you know, it's, it's, it's basically like I'm, all right, I'm looking at it on dictionary.com and the definition that is given there in English folklore, bugbear is a goblin said to eat naughty children, um, and, um, and thought it would be in the form of a bear. Or it's also a thing that causes obsessive fear and anxiety. And so what a great word to kind of apply mm-hmm. to it. He is sort of this goblin like creature in the shadows that for a long time, you know, many of the, the, the rest of the characters sort of feared and he definitely has caused obsessive fear and anxiety to others. And he is a creature of obsessive fear and anxiety himself. So I just thought number one, it's a cool sounding word, but I just thought it was a great choice to use in reference to two edge because it totally fits him. Oh yeah, Absolutely. Uh, so. Yeah, it's definitely something. It's a word that we haven't seen used before, right, by any of the elves too. So right. I can see why some people might be kind of confused right. as to like what that meant. But yeah, right. no, I think it's yeah very fitting. Yep. So um, so yeah, let's talk about Two Edge since we brought him up. So Two Edge starts out this issue in Rap Stuff after getting you know pretty you know pretty much pummeled by uh, his own hammer by Rayek and Widow Will's magic, and you know breaking ribs and causing massive internal injury. Um, you know, he gets wrapped up by a pedal wing and is hanging out in Ekwar's hut there. Um, and lo and behold, you know, Cutter and the Heart Circle show back up and they're able to, you know, Leech is there and they're able to heal him. Um, and he's got that funny line when he thinks he's going to die. And he's like, Benka, you know, I want you to be the last thing that I see. And to my mother, and then he gives her like a big old raspberry with his, yeah pimply tongue (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is kind of fun um Mm -hmm. but um and then venka breaks his heart later i know i know poor two two actually she kind of let him down easy though right totally give her some credit there well because he he took it pretty well yeah i mean i think that this is another one of those like really elf questy scenes to me Mm -hmm. like that if a stranger was like what's elf quest like i could show them this page, this interaction, and they would immediately get a sense of like <laughs> the, this idea of 
you know, beings that always try to act from their higher, higher selves. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're absolutely right. Like Venka lets him down in like the most compassionate, gentle way possible. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he is able to receive that and not throw a typical two edge freak out or tantrum or whatever. And mm-hmm. it really is a super sweet scene. And what does she say? You know, just the, the, the wording here is also very poetic. Um, you know, and you know, he, he says, I did it for you. And she said, and a brave try it was, but no answering torch lives here. And she touches her, her, her heart that will ignite at your flames touch. What a great way to say it. Right. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think and, that's how everybody should break up with somebody who, <laughs> or not break up, but let somebody down who's yeah. like, interested in them and you're not. You know, right. No, no reciprocation. Just instead of like ghosting somebody, just say right. that to them. Right? <laughs> exactly. Text, exactly text them I... that line. No entry <laughs> torture lives here. That will ignite at your flame's touch. I think everybody Somehow, needs to try that from now on. It doesn't quite translate to the to you know, the real modern <laughs> world, but in the context of ElfQuest, it's it's pretty much perfect. So yes. And then, you know, um, two-edge... What is, how devastating, though, for all the Venka uh, two-edge shippers out there. Oh, totally. I'm so sorry yeah. for all of you. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Uh, like, I think I, I, I'm i going to make a prediction here because I think it's been pretty obviously, you know, breadcrumbs have laid, you know, trail to this that I wouldn't feel so sorry for two-edge because I have a feeling that we're going to see him and Audrey hook up. Yeah. Right. Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, yep, if I'm you skip totally to the end of the issue, that. you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Audrey, you know, uh, comes with with Cutter and crew up to the frozen mountain so they can shape through everything. Um, and, you know, I mean, there's there's old two edge ogling Audrey as she changes out of her dress and is like it changes her shape. And it's like, I like you better. I like you better when you're smaller, you know, like. Th- that line coupled with, you know, their little interaction when Scott, when uh, two edge was off pouting. Um, when he realized that Venka wasn't going to, you know, stay underground with him and Audrey went to find him and, and offer him food and everything. I think that was the initial, you know, sort of hint. And then getting this line, I think mm-hmm. we're totally, you know, two edges finally going to get a girlfriend. <laughs> he's been living in his mother's basement, literally <laughs> yeah, yeah, he has. thousands of years. And he's yeah. finally going to get a girlfriend, <laughs> Awesome. Uh, which I think is great. I love it. You know? Um, but, um, I want to go back though to, um, you know, to the Venka scene because, um, the way that Wendy has drawn the scene and the way that Sonny has colored it is also just, it, it, it bears mention because, you know, two edge still has all of his features, you know, he's got his, you know, strong nose and, and he's got his beard and, you know, his sort of trollish features going on, but, he has so much, for lack of a better term, humanity in that panel where, you know, he, he kind of accepts Venka's, you know, rejection. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in the panel above that where, you know, where he's kind of basically pouring his heart out to her. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, again, all in the eyebrows. I mean, normally we see Two Edge with his eyebrows, um, you know, kind of in, a, in an angry or scheming. Scowl. Yeah, scowl kind of expression. It's very rare that, you know, um, or or a kind of like freaked out expression. Um, but we never really get to see him like letting go all of his baggage and just letting his emotions flow. Mm-hmm. And, 
it's just it, again the way that Wendy drew it. It's just it's got a note of realism in there, which I think is perfect for the scene. Yeah. Um, and I, I also, can see that too. Yeah. And I also, you know, just like with the with the rootless ones, where I was saying like. I could totally see them smiling, even though Wendy didn't draw them smiling. And yeah. in, in the the this scene, I totally see like a change in Two Edges um, demeanor. Well, not his demeanor, in his in his look. Yeah, you know, physical. Like, his physical look, but also like yeah. his coloring too. Mm, is where I'm yeah. going, with that. I was just like skin well, tone, and yeah. it's like I'm looking at it, and it's like somehow warmer, and it's not that yeah. you know he's got this Two Edge naturally has this sort of like olive yellow tone but oftentimes it looks kind of sickly and i'm just i'm like really trying to just stare at these panels i feel like it's like warmer so in some way but i'm not seeing like warm colors in there other than just the normal yellow so i don't know what wendy and sunny did there but whatever they did it's effective <laughs> yeah no i mean generally it looks sort of like he's got the scurvy or jaundice or whatever right like that sort of yellowish skin tone yeah get get the guy some vegetables but um <laughs> Yeah, no, I I see what you're saying. That's definitely there's more uh, warmer like pinks in his. Uh, I guess that's what it is, but I like yeah. I guess it must be subtly blended because I'm not like seeing pink, but that's exactly what it is. I feel like there's like more of a a warm pink tone coming in from underneath. Mm -hmm. So um, um, I I just want to add to that. I've always sort of found that uh, two edge vacillates between being either more trollish or more elfin in terms of the way he's drawn uh and i don't know if that's intentional or not or if it's just something that comes out when wendy's interpreting the character um but it's always it's always subtle that's um, what i was just gonna but, say yeah yeah but it's there's i find that there is a dis, there's a difference you can pick up on um and in this scene i find he's more elfin yeah it's almost like that higher part of him when it does come out he's he's more elfin and i don't know if he actually is in story uh like he does he have some small amount of shape changing right. magic and he's like just very subtly changing well there Maybe was a, unconsciously yeah. subconsciously it's happening or is that just wendy choosing to do that or is it wendy not even choosing and it's just how she, it's coming out when she's drawing these scenes of him in that. I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, my, but I, my it's, it's interesting nonetheless. Yeah, for sure. I think I think it's it's the latter too. I think I think it's it's just Wendy expressing the character, and and it's coming out of her her digital pen that way. I don't. Mm -hmm. My guess is that it's not meant to represent the two edges somehow shape changing himself based on his. No. You know, I mean, there was yeah. that one whirlpool whirlpool story yeah. where you know he catches Winnowell in the net, and you know he he changes and he kind of looks like a like a, a tree stump. You know, he yes. loses his troublous yeah. features, and you know, and I thought that I always thought that was interesting, but I always mm. thought that um, I don't know, Two Edge doesn't need to look any different to be a sympathetic character or to be attractive, or you know, it's sort of the idea I don't know of you know, beauty is deeper than that is, is more than, you know, it's more than skin deep, I guess, you know? And mm -hmm. so, you know, don't judge a book by its cover and all of those things. And I personally would be, I don't know. I don't know if I would like it if, you know, at the end of this two edge shapes himself into an elf or a troll or, a troll. One or the other. Right. <clears throat> but, you know, we've, we've said this before, uh, but I'm still holding out hope that somehow he 
finds the peace that he's been searching for for his long long existence uh yeah you know by the end of this story and if that means that he has to that he chooses to be one or the other then so be it all right uh, yeah that's a good point that's totally a good a good point if that's what he if he needs that right yeah i'm willing to go with that (laughs) um all right, so we're bouncing all around this issue. Um, so we already talked about – well, Cutter gives him a compliment right there, and he's like, you know, you, you made the worst thing, a gun, but the way I see it, you also make some really amazing things, and that's where he brings up – Badass you know, sword. Right, key, and then that's you know where we learn about what's up with the Frozen Mountain Trolls and, and all of that. Um, but in, in there, before that happens, we have this interaction with Venka the last interaction in this in this issue, which I think is one of the key points, not only in this issue, but I think in 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 well definitely in this story arc, which has a lot to do with Rayek and Rayek's um transformation, right? I mean mm-hmm. Rayek has, has is transforming. I mean we saw it in the last issue where he you know he goes on an, another rampage. He just wants to like slaughter every last one of the Junsmen and, you know, and of course he gets shot in the process and Winnowill reveals herself as really just wanting to be free of him. And he finally, we finally get a glimpse at what his love of Winnowill is all about. And you realize that it's not as selfish as it seems. Right. And you see this Rayek that we've never really seen before. The closest Mm -hmm. we've seen is again, when Cutter, you know, beat the, uh, the sand out of him um, in Hidden Years 9.5. And he had this moment of sort of reaching for his higher self, but he's had trouble sort of holding on to that um, until what seems to be like what's happening now um, with him agreeing to rescue Du Bois from drowning and, and giving a human the time of day. So all of this is so, so important. And, and, and this scene is, you know, it's equally thrilling and also chilling when Venka is like, I'm done with his nonsense. And when he shows back up here, uh, he's going to get his ass whooped unless he agrees to let Winnowill go and turn her over to the to the spirits of the palace. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I, I think seeing Venka show a little bit of, of her mother's side a little yeah. bit is kind yeah. of rad. And and um, you know, I don't think she's going to punch him in the face like Kavi would, but no. you know, she doesn't need her fist, and nor does she need words because she has one thing that no one that has ever faced off against Rayek has and that is the ability to basically make his magic impotent and without magic Rayek is not all that no exactly uh and this is what she was raised to do by kavi right um and she's never had to do it before she uh she chose not to at the end of kings right right um so uh it will be interesting to see this showdown right but uh, and mm-hmm. but like that that's powerful but you know, like in everything in ElfQuest, there's there's always you know multiple things going on, and and the the, the last bit here with Venka is I think equally powerful. Where even though she's getting ready to face off against her father, and even though she's clearly pissed, I mean she was just shot and almost killed. Yeah. Yeah. Um. She says to Ekwar, "No, you can't go with Cutter because he's Rayek is going to need you, especially if he and I become enemies." Exactly. And again, what the what other story or comic would do that? Would have that kind of love and compassion and you know in equal measure with you know the threat of violence and an impending you know Sockham you know fight scene, Rock right? Sockham. Yeah. yeah. 
So again, I just I was blown away by by that whole page, and um, I guess the only other thing that I have to say about it is that I I posted this on Facebook like. Venk is about to open a can of whoop-ass on Rayek, and I'm just here grabbing my popcorn. Because... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this this uh, battle between them. Yeah. I mean, if, in fact, it does happen. Who knows? Right. Knowing ElfQuest, you know? It exactly. Who knows what will happen. happen at all. But, um, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, again, I, I'm feeling a lot more sympathetic to Rayek after what, you know, what we saw in the last issue. Um, and... Um, in this issue too, I guess you know he he shows a little bit more of a sympathetic, a sympathetic side, but that does not mean that I will not relish seeing Venka kick his butt. <laughs> yeah, him get taken down a peg or two. Um, yeah. We do know, however, uh, by the time of Rogue's curse, mm-hmm. that Rayek still has Winnowill held within him. Right. Uh, and now, uh, as far as I know, that storyline is still canon. Yes. Um, and of course, things can change. But uh, I'm pretty certain that even Wendy and Richard have said it's canon. Yeah, so they kn- have. Yeah, so knowing that, then the we can sort of infer what the potential outcome of that this potential battle could be, right? Well, Which I is, think... Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. Well, if she wants to... Get him to turn over Winnowill's spirit to the, the palace dwellers. It's not going to happen. Well, here's what I have to say about it. <laughs> that okay. is, um, even though we know ultimately where those two are going to end up, I have no idea what's going to happen in these next seven issues. And you know, I, I, I kind of feel like anything could happen in the next seven what? issues. Yeah. What if, what if something really horrific happened, and he did turn over her spirit in it? Right. Winnowill's spirit. It, well, that's exactly so, what I mean. I, 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 you know, another way of thinking about it is this: is that things go really bad, really is, wrong. Well, right, and 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 just look at the like the very presence of Rayek in the final quest. I mean, going into the final quest, I was like, what are they going to do with Rayek? They can't do anything new with him because we know where he's going to end up. And, no, that's what I thought. And, too, and yeah. guess what they did? They did something new with him, right? So, uh-huh. you know, it's it's obviously yeah. he's still in the in the battle with Winnowill, but his character has developed, and I didn't even realize how different the Rogue's Curse Rayek is from the Rayek at the end of Shards, which is the same Rayek that we're that that comes into the the final quest here. You know, yeah. he's still you know got his arrogance and um you know and his his self pity and his animosity towards humans. Uh, you know, all of that stuff that he has always had. And that's the fun, the Rayek that we see coming into Final Quest. But I think we're seeing Rayek being transformed by the events of Final Quest into the Rayek of, of the Rogue's Curse story. And I don't mean physically. I don't mm. mean the growing of him that no, is no. going to happen, right? Um, you know, in, in Rogue's Curse, Rayek is not as hot-headed. He, he you know, he's sort mm. of... Suffering in silence, he's not like "woe is me," "wah wah wah." Um, he has an affinity f- towards humans, yeah, which he's much we, more compassionate. Yes, which we've now issue. seen because right. of Deploy, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Rayek has never really interacted. That's with like him. almost the catalyst for right. yeah, that part of himself, right? So I think that's what we're seeing. And so, mm-hmm. what will happen to complete that transformation between now? And the end of Final Quest is anyone's guess. Yeah, he's going to end up with Winnowill still trapped inside him. But 
again, that all comes how that all plays out. I like, and now at this point, again, going into it, I was like, Oh, it's really cool that Rayek's going to be there. But again, they're not really going to be able to do much with him. And obviously I was proven wrong by that. So who knows what's going to be coming down the pike. So we'll see. Um, you know, I mentioned Kings of the Broken Wheel before, and I wrote down a note a while back because I wanted to bring this up with you just as an aside, um, and I guess this sort of segues into that. Uh, but I remember on Facebook somebody asked about what the kings referred to in Kings of the Broken Wheel. Mm-hmm. And Wendy responded, and her response was one of her grins. <laughs> you know, those KG <laughs> reticent well, I... grins that she gives? Uh, that drive us all mad. Um, that caught my attention. Well, and, uh, hmm, what? No, I don't remember the grin. I remember her actually writing that they had talked about chiefs of the broken wheel and that it just didn't have the same gravitas as kings. So that's why they okay, went. With maybe kings. I missed that, but yeah, I was that in the same thread. It must have been because I remember when somebody posted about that, or so, it, it definitely came I'm, up somewhere. I'm certain, though. No, I'm pretty certain that it was her response was a grin. For that. Well, it, it might have been, but I definitely know that she she somewhere, and it was definitely on Facebook. Yeah, shared that because that was news to me. I'd never heard that before. Um, so it's definitely you know I remembered it. Um, yeah, I think it was just a word choice that they wanted okay. to convey. You know, sort of these two sort of you know, dominant male types having, you know, this sort of ultimate battle, which, again, in true Upwest fashion, didn't turn out like any other, you know, top dog male fights in a comic book series, right? Yeah. Yeah, so anyway. um, Okay, well, that answers that question. All right. That's that's one mystery. I'm sure when this comes out, um, we can discuss it and, um, you know, uh, in – the podcast comments or on Facebook or on the Elfquest homepage or any of the places where it's posted. And maybe Wendy and or Richard will clarify and enlighten us. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm certain I saw the grin, but maybe I, I don't know. Maybe I didn't. She probably um, did. I mean, <laughs> we know Wendy likes to grin and not give yes. direct answers. So. <laughs> yeah, that's okay though. It's kind of fun. So, uh, yeah. So let's let's go back to Du Bois and uh, Rayek then, since you uh-huh. brought them up. Um, so we've got the scene where uh, Rayek drops Du Bois off on uh, Jakku. Oh no, wait, somewhere <laughs> in the desert. <laughs> yes. Tatooine? No. Right. Uh, it looks like uh, if, well, you've seen Ro- if you've seen Rogue One in mm-hmm. Jeddu, which is on another desert. Oh point. yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, keeping things uh, timely, uh, but this looks like uh, a desert somewhere where he. Um, so they they just came from the ocean, right? right? Uh, after Du Bois had helped to save Rayek's life, mm-hmm. after Rayek had been shot, um, and Rayek dropped him off. Uh, and looks like he's going to leave him. Um, and then Du Bois pleads with him to please don't leave me alone. I'm, I'm just a weak human and, you know, I, I, I'm not a hunter like you. I can't survive. Um, and, uh, he talks about his hands and how his soft hands were the, the tools that can do good work for him mm-hmm. or good, it can do good work in the world. And then Rayek, uh, you know, acknowledges the fact that Du Bois help to save his life, um, and then brings up Shuna mm-hmm. and uh, has the idea that, you know, maybe Du Bois and Shuna would be able to uh, be able to help you, is what he says. This Shuna may be able to help you. I will take you as far as the Forbidden Grove. 
So he right. decides to carry him <clears throat> to the Forbidden Grove. So interesting that Du Bois is becoming, um, you know, a part of the greater story here. I, I thought that we'd seen the last of him oh, a long me too. time ago. Yeah. And then, you know, he's, he's sort of made his way back into the story in really sort of um, pivotal um, parts. Totally, yeah. I mean, story. but let's be honest. With a name like Du Bois, he had to end up being a bigger. Come on, I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> how could you? How could you drop a character like that? Exactly. You, you just got a Du Bois. You know, although, Bois? although I will say, um, I really do just want to take a pair of scissors to that little, you know, top poof on the top of his head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get rid um, of thing. But yeah, so yeah, I mean, and Du Bois is interesting too because he is. Um, Again, he's not really a character that you see very often. You know, he's, you know, he's kind of, um, you know, he's not, he's inspiring. Um, but at the same time, he is still doing really important things. And, you know, he might make a mistake, have made a mistake, you know, but he did it under torture. And, you know, he really has this goal. He just wants to help people. So he's like... I don't know he's he's kind of um, in particular a male character that you don't see very often. That he, again, he's not kind of like the big boss alpha male, and he's not like the wimpy weenie, which are sort of like you know the typical uh, you know or the effeminate guy or whatever that um, you know those those sort of stereotypes. He's this very well-rounded, I guess, um, unique kind of individual that is very reflective of you know just how real people are, right? Not not everybody falls into those yeah. two categories. Could we? sort of categorize him as the everyman character i don't think he's an ev- degree no? i don't think he's an everyman because i think an everyman um in to me anyway an everyman is somebody that you as the viewer or the reader like like can relate to with? yeah and identify with and almost put yourself in their shoes like mm-hmm. i don't feel like that at least not me personally about du Bois. you know i feel like du Bois. well what do you mean you've never flown on the back of an elf before <laughs> Not in reality, but no. <laughs> um, I do actually have lots of dreams um, where I could fly, and it's very much like it's like I'm channeling Aurori and that like mm. light, natural, you know, sort of lightness that they refer to as Aurori having. But yeah. that'll be a topic for another podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like I don't relate to Du Bois, and I don't I don't see him as a stand-in for like the average guy. No. I just think I, – I, and I, this is something that I'm – as I often do on this podcast, I, I haven't really thought about this before, so I'm just kind of thinking out loud. But, yeah. you know, again, I guess the best that way I can say it is what I already said, that, you know, he's not sort of your your macho type and he's not, you know, this sort of less, um, you know, positively portrayed – Like a know, milquetoast kind of right, like, weakling, right? Exactly. Like a, like, he's, not, he's not a wimp and he's not like an alpha – Right. Like he doesn't, yeah. he's not a fighter and he acknowledges it. You know, he just wants to do what he's good at, which is healing. And, um, I don't know. I just think it's interesting. Um, and, and another thing that's really unique in ElfQuest. Again, I, I can't think of any other characters that I've really come across that kind of fit this bill. I mean, maybe the, um, the, the portrayal of, um, uh, Beast, um, Hank in the X-Men movies, the, the the more recent ones, um, not the Kelsey Grammer, but the um, oh yeah, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Um, yeah, um, the young actor. Yeah, um, yeah, he's really cute. Um, <laughs> his name now, um, Beast. Um, anyway, um, 
you know what what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like he kind of has that same kind of he's a little bit meek and he's kind of nerdy. But of course yeah. he is the B side, so it's you know, that kind of that's not something that Du Bois has that, that side of him. So, but yeah, I can't no. think of any other character that even uh, kind of comes close. So, hmm. anyway, yeah, um, I like um, you, Nicholas Holt. Nicholas Holt. There we go. Yes, uh, you mentioned Rayek, uh within this story arc, um, growing as a character and uh, developing. And you know, here he's talking about in the scene when he's talking to Du Bois, and he says. Uh, he, t- he talks about, um, you know, how he was already uh, beaten by Cutter and uh, his spirit was nearly battered into Winnowill's realm. And then he also says that, uh, you know, for, for just recently he was uh, shot by the, the war men, the Jones war men. Um, and two lessons are enough. I am changed. Whatever comes next... I'll not meet it with a rage first. I will try to understand. Yeah. So that actually, so, okay, there we go. So that's him developing and evolving as a, a character. Um, that's also that, I one. Yeah. I was just going to say, that's, that's what I was meaning before when I was saying like, you know, after those two lessons were, you know, we're seeing Rayek make a conscious choice to respond to the world differently. And again, mm. I think that that line right there describes the Rayek that we see in Rogue's Curse. You yeah. know, whatever comes, I'll not meet it with rage first. Think about the 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 story of Rayek in the bar that yeah. Wendy drew. You know, right. uh, uh, the Rogue's Curse story, where you know we have this big oafish human up in his face, calling him you know slurs and threatening violence, and he's just like, I I'm not you know, like the old Rayek would have just been like, boom, and blasted him away, right? Mm-hmm. So I think this is the beginning of that Rayek. Yeah. That's my thought. Yeah. Um, and then that makes me sort of wonder what this uh, encounter between Venka and Rayek is going to actually turn out to be. For sure, yeah. If this is his state of mind now, um, and he feels that he's changed, uh, you know, she's ready to kick his ass. Well, he might just show up and say, like, forgive me, and okay, I'll turn right. over Winnowill's spirit to the palace dwellers. You're right. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm ready to do this now. Right. Yeah. So, I like, could, that, that whole fight might just fizzle out. I could totally see that happening, happen. but mm. I just want to um, set on the record that I would be bitterly disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that, you know, given his what he said here in this issue and, you know, how his character development has progressed to this point it's going to take something extreme to put him back into the the position where he's going to be aggressive enough to fight his own daughter right so, i don't yeah. you know if yeah. if it comes to that what will be the trigger right you know there's also the possibility that winnow will will wake up and take over again um you know and yeah, and that there's a big battle between that you know, Winnowill, Via Rayek, and Venka, you know, mm-hmm. so that that could be what we end up getting, mm-hmm. um, which yeah, I'd be happy. Possible. With. I'd be happy with seeing Venka whoop Winnowill's butt too. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm I'm even thinking though now, what if you know this does happen, and because of Venka, Winnowill's spirit is handed over, and then that leads to something. Well, this is what I'm happening, saying, right? and then so in essence, Venka could be responsible for something. 
really bad happening. Right. That's exactly yeah. what I was saying. Like, don't mm-hmm. write off anything to do with Rayek and, and Winnowill just because we know where they're eventually going to be. Um, well, anything well, you... can still happen. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just, th- you know, in terms of Venka, like she's always been presented as this very calm, cool, collected character who, you know, all, very um, wise. And uh, if to to see her maybe doing something that could be a mistake and because of her own actions, that would be sort of interesting to see as far as her character is concerned. Right. Um, and how she would react to that, like realizing that she's done something terrible yeah well that, inadvertently right I, I i can say that if that does happen i wouldn't predict her to respond the way her mother would which would be would be just like hmm. yeah you know or you know spit too right right, right. <laughs> and just be like whatever i don't think that i could see venka doing that but no. i also don't know that I, I would see her you know sort of wallowing in guilt either i think she would acknowledge that she screwed up and forgive herself in the very similar to the way that she kind of let two edge down. That's what I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. That, that, this whole situation between Rayek and Venka that seems to be building, we're building up to will be very interesting to see uh, how that plays out. I'm right. looking forward to that. However it goes, I'm looking forward to it, but I do share your, your uh, potential, uh, bitter disappointment if there is not a like throwdown. totally yeah so um so let's go to um dear listeners turn to page 11 um if you're reading along as we're talking because i i I love the top panel on that page um where we see you know it's it's uh it's venka and ekwar and arori and winkin who have gathered at rake and ekwar's hut in the forbidden grove um, and then the, the palace pod with Cutter and his heart circle and Sunstream and um, Sava show up. And so they have this mm-hmm. little, you know, reunite scene, uh, you know, a group scene, which I know I think um, stress Wendy out when she has to draw them. But we all yeah. love seeing them. Right. And this is a perfect example. So much is going down in this panel. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah. you know, we see first and foremost, the poor wolves, Leaf Mask and Freshet. Um, Freshet more so is like panicked out of coming out of, you know, the palace pod, which I can relate to because every time I put Lucky in the car, he freaks yeah. out. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Nightfall is like comforting him to the vet. Totally. Yeah. So Nightfall is mm-hmm. comforting him or her. I don't know if Freshet is a boy or a girl, but, um, you know, we see uh, Aurori and Skywise, you know, kind of kind of just, you know, being. They're, you know, old lovers, if you will, smiling at each other. And and Aurori's comment is interesting. Even at the peak, the old powers couldn't have done this, only love, which I think is a reference to Cutter and and what Tamein yes. had said originally. Like, you can't get him back with magic because magic and supernatural stuff is what sent him in down into this downward spiral. So I think basically that Aurori's line right there is that, just acknowledgement that, you know, that the power of the heart circle and of being down to earth and just reaching out and, you know, being there in a tangible flesh and blood form with love that, that how, how much power that has, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought is kind of neat. And, um, but the two main things in this panel that I love the most are mm-hmm. Lita hugging Ekwar because mm-hmm. let's face it, there can't be enough Ekwar hugs, right? No, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. 
And then two, I just adore the relationship between Cutter and Venka. And it's really just plays out in the background. Um, you know, we can see a very similar greeting between the two of them when Venka first shows up in the Holt, um, in Tree Stump's Forge. And the go-backs, you know, come in and Audrey mm-hmm. shuts the wall from the Misfit Trolls. And you see the two of them kind of, you know, holding each other's hands and just smiling at each other and greeting each other, just like we see here. And I just love it. I feel, um, you know, sort of almost like a they, – they have a uh, like an understanding that I don't think any of the other characters really have. They're almost yeah. like a mentor, men, like – mentee kind of relationship that mm-hmm. now has grown to peers as Venka has stepped into a chieftainship of her own. Um, I don't know. I just yeah, love- and it's different. It's different from the relationship that Cutter has with Ember, who totally. is also a chief in her own right. Right. But totally different. Totally and different. It, but also kind of still the father-daughter relationship too. Right. Yeah, I mean, Cutter refers – there's that one line in Final Quest somewhere, I can't remember what issue, where it refers to Venka as his sort of his his heart daughter um, and then his mm-hmm. blood daughter, you know, being Ember. I think it might have been in the – in sort of the big tribe gathering, the you know, the chiefs meeting of all the chiefs. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a little bit of that, but I don't get too much of like a father-daughter thing as much as I get like – again, just sort of mentor – like, you know, Venka grew up under the wolf riders way and i just every time i see the two of them interact i just see like gratitude pouring gratitude just respect yeah i was gonna say there's like this level of respect between them because it's almost like they both sort of understand each other in a way that others can't because of that um you know the responsibilities that they have as chiefs yeah yeah so and it's different from what cutter has with ember because there's that really strong parental child bond exactly. as well right. right so there's a little bit that's different right um, and that's what i don't mm. get between the two of them i mean and let's be honest you know venka even says back in in kings of the broken wheel you know as tenders cutter is in joinings um you know so i i'd like to not think of them as father daughter because of that because we know that they've they've you know sort of done it so mm-hmm. for my you know my human sensibility yeah that's yes. probably no, no i was, thinking, I was thinking not, that but... too i wasn't gonna bring it up but <laughs> since you did yeah um it was stated in kings right, right. That they had a role in the furs yeah and and, and that somebody brought that up um on facebook in the in the discussion of this issue and um, there was a little bit of a debate, and some people were like, no, never, and other people were like, obviously, joining means have sex. And Wendy chimed in and said that Venka, th- uh, that line coming from Venka was from experience. Whoa. So okay. yeah. I, I think well. that pretty much cinches it. The two of them have shared oh, the furs. Well. So Yes, yeah. they have, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there's definitely a different type of relationship there. Yep. Exactly. So anyway, I, I just that that whole panel, um, I thought was great. Yeah, I really like that. And then if we go to the next page, we've got Cutter and his uh, 
his little his advice window his, his advice i keep thinking of um you know peanuts where it's totally that's exactly what i'm thinking <laughs> who is it it's it's not charlie brown it, it's um, i know it's like lucy at her it's like lucy and she's yeah. giving out like psychiatry for exactly like, yeah yeah therapy for like five cents or something in her little booth this is what that reminds me of totally right yeah. <laughs> like everyone's everyone's lined up to get some like, some cutters some wisdom. therapy some cutters wisdom right <laughs> Yeah, we get a little reference here to Nightfall's dream from Dreamtime, which right. uh, of all of them was the one that most baffled me um, and intrigued me the most. Interesting when she has that moment at the end where she realizes how to save everybody and then she can't remember it. And I've been waiting like twenty years to figure out what the <laughs> hell that is. Well, I think I mean, let's talk about that for a second though, because um, you know you you mentioned her dream being hard to understand. I mean. I haven't read it in a while, but that Mm. one seemed to be pretty straightforward to me. I mean, these, you know, Nightfall we know is, you know, is a protector um, and she can be fierce. And so that dream was all about, you know, the things that, you know, she perceives either consciously or unconsciously as threats to those she loves. So whether it's Will Bill. It's it's just that one specific panel though at the end where she, just before she wakes up, she can't remember what it was she was going to do to save everybody. That to me was just like, an example of how infuriating dreams are. You've never had that happen to you in a real dream where like you're just... Do you just... really think that Wendy and Richard put that in there as just a sort of like this is what <laughs> dreams are like and that it doesn't have any deeper meaning to right. the story? All right, I'll oh, shut I'll oh, shut up. <laughs> I expect more from you. You're you're totally right. You're totally right. I'm I'm not giving them anywhere near as much credit as they just <laughs> are being wicked. <laughs> I like that. I like that they uh, throw in a, a panel here, though, from Dreamtime, and it's still yeah. black and white. And didn't we see that in one of the other issues? Wasn't there a reference to Dreamtime, and it was in black and white? Yeah, I can't remember um, which. Oh, was it? Um, I can't remember. I have to go back and look. That but did I happen, feel, though, right? Yeah, I feel like we did see somebody's part of somebody's dream. Yeah. Um, it wasn't tree stumps. Um, I don't know. I can't remember. Does that mean the elves dream in black and white? <laughs> no, I think that I means that that story was drawn in black and white, and that's all it oh. means. <laughs> oh, okay. I um, we're just like something new about the elves had been revealed to us there. Right. Uh, uh, I do love yeah. the scene, though, because, um, you know, I always love – Red Lance and Nightfall are two of my favorites, and I, and I like that they are – um, in, involved in this story and we're seeing, you know, seeing more of them. And, and, you know, I, I, I feel bad for a nightfall because again, she's really just like, okay, everyone, you know, we, we have this impending, you know, army about to descend on us. Cutter's still not right. Like she just wants to be every, everyone to be safe and protected. And like, no one seems to be batting an eye. And she's like, what is going on? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, she's kind of under yeah, this wreck she, over here. Trying to figure out what what's what the hell is happening. Um, yeah, because, I mean, Nightfall's pretty, you know, uh, I don't want to say simple, but in, in terms of, like, living the way, she mm-hmm. is probably one of the most, um, the uh, one of the wolf riders who, who most lives within the now. Right. Of wolf thought. So, you know, these events that happen and trying to figure them out to somebody who lives in that sort of state, uh, you know, it'd be pretty challenging to try and come to terms with it or to try and uh, 
understand mm-hmm. these, you know. Yeah, these sort of big doings. I mean, of great import. Right. Yeah. I mean, Nightfall, you know, is the embodiment of living the smaller truth within the large, right? And yeah. so, um, yeah. So she's she's just like, what the hell's going on? And why aren't we, like, being safe? And Cutter's like, don't worry, pat, pat. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you anything, but we're going to the frozen mountains. Right. Right? Yeah, thanks, Cutter. Um, <laughs> I'm going to endanger everyone's lives. You're coming with me. No questions asked. No well, questions allowed. Let's go. Well, and we see where that led with Skywise. That led to a, a fisticuff, so. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to what's going to happen next issue between those two. I think they're going to have it out big time. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Cutter, you know, snaps into his wolfishness, and we get yeah. a snarl, and he just goes right for, for Skywise. So I have mm. a feeling, um, you know, the cover of issue 18, Cutter's fist is all bloody, and I feel like they're going to go there. Yeah. So, so too. and you know what, like I, mm-hmm. I, I, going back to that, that cutter definitely, you know, I mean, we as readers know why he's acting the way that he is, at least on a certain level, but you got to remember that no one, none of the other characters know that he and Tim and are, are one being. So from their perspective, like we were talking about, I, I, I think it's totally legit for Skywise to be like, what the hell are you doing? And, you know, and just kind of snapping. But on the other yeah. hand, you know, Skywise is no innocent here, right? Skywise, like we mentioned, is, you know, heady from his high of finally joining with Tumane and the power of the palace and this idea of, you know, taking going to the stars, which is his dream, so much so that he's like now beginning to sort of project that onto everybody else. And he literally had just said, well, come on, Cutter, let's let's make you immortal, which is like totally not where cutter is and so i think skyways too you know as when cutter punches back i think skyways needs a good knock on the head as well to kind of clear you know his 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 fantasies of grandeur out of his head bring well, it back yeah, down to he, earth a little bit he needs a reality check right yeah yeah and i think cutter's just the one to do it i think so i think he's um, the only one who can do it totally well mm. yeah when it comes to Skywise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so um, let's uh, let's talk about this little interlude at um, uh, Highwinds Holt. Yep, that's what I was just going to say too. Next page. Okay. So yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, well, what what this page we, we, didn't, <coughs> we didn't talk about the scene with Shuna, um, which kind of oh yeah leads into this, but um, you know, not too much going on there other than you know Shuna's idea. Is to you know essentially help the 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 native ice holders deal with this um, you know invading army uh, in, of the Junslanders by teaching them the language, which I think is kind of interesting, um, you know, and I guess in in a couple of senses. One, interesting, right? Like how could that play out in the story if oh they understand God. the Juns, Junslander language? But yeah. two, um, I also am hoping. Um, and mm-hmm. this scene kind of confirms it that, you know, we don't see Shuna go back into her sort of Joan of Arc archetype and pick up the sword and be like, I'm going to be, you know, you know, the savior and, and, and save these people and, and fight them in battle. I think her role, if anything, is going to be a lot more subtle, um, which I think is good. Right. Because it's, you know, I think that 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 old trope of, you know, the the, the person who is like living with the native, saving them is is kind of tired and, and mm-hmm. you know, so 
the, again, I mean, she does brandish her sword a little bit in that scene. Let me go back to that page. But that's not what I took from that scene. I took that, you know, she's like, we're going to help help people by by giving them an insight into this invading army so that they can use that how they will. And how they will, I don't know. Does she grab the sword? No, she doesn't. No, she doesn't. It's oh. up on the – it's above the hearth. Right. But I know what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of the cover of issue 19. Oh, but she, she's, a, she's holding a staff. But she, I think her hand is on the sword too. Oh, she it, does okay. have the sword, and that's the sword yeah. that Tree Stump forged. Yeah, um, Morn Howl. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so anyway, that's how we get into this Talit scene because you know Kimo and Chen Chen are like. Well, <laughs> I can't believe I remembered the name of that sword. <laughs> I know. Oh my god. Yeah, you're starting to remind me of me. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you're in, have, there needs you're, to be a ElfQuest Trivial Pursuit game. Oh my god! So that you and I could go up against each other. And <laughs> see who wins? Oh, I would totally do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, I have no idea how teaching the um, insect tribes mm-hmm. the Junsland language is going to help in any way. I have no idea. Well, communication, is, right? I mean, language is at the core of communication, and and where my mind is going, Do, that are we looking at the same the same army here? Uh, that's <laughs> the armada that just arrived on like yes, hellbent on on bloodthirstily wiping out the quote unquote primitives. Yeah, yeah. Yes, no, you're right, but um, and you know, I mean, the 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 ice holters, which is. The, you know, the continent that the Wolf Riders are on, uh, mm-hmm. where the whole story started. I mean, there are no shrinking violets. They have warriors too, right? So but they don't have guns. Right, they don't have guns. Um, but they also are, you know, they're in their homeland and they don't have to rely on, you know, ships to, for, to resupply. So, but, you know, I, I guess what, what where my mind is going with this is that mm-hmm. what is language all about? It's about communication. Mm-hmm. And where what I'm getting out of it is that I, I, I'm feeling pretty confident that there's going to be bloodshed, right? There's going to be battle. Um, but I feel like what we might end up seeing is that, you know, in some way, somehow there, that, that, that language and communication is going to be what, I don't want to say saves the day, but that is what ultimately resolves the conflict. I mean, this is a fantasy comic book, right? So we have to keep everything, take everything in context. I'm just thinking, you know, the historical record on planet Earth, uh, in terms of a technologically superior group encountering one that isn't uh, as technologically uh, advanced, uh, never ends well. No, no. And and again, I'm not saying that I don't think that there's going to be an element of that. Uh, because regardless of whether or not they know the language, so I don't know. We'll, oh, see what we'll have to see what happens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that that's where how we how we get you know how uh, Talit gets brought in to the story, and so yes. yeah, so we yeah. hop over to Highwinds Halt, and and they're basically packing up and getting ready to go. You know what? You, you know what this made me think of though is uh, Dreamtime. Going back to Dreamtime again with uh, Talit's dream. It was all about communication and and speaking and you know. And she had five fingers on her hand. Right. Well, she had five fingers on her hand, but that was in Shen Shen's dream. 
No. Wasn't it? No, she looked at her own hands in her own dream and she saw that she has five fingers. But was it, or, or at least, or I think that was like a segue into Shen no. Shen's dream. No, this, I'm looking at it right now. I'm All looking right. at dream time and I totally... says, uh, she says, I am one of them. I have five fingers on each hand. Through this dream gift, I've lived the need. Little Patch must have known all his life the oh. need to be accepted. So. Well, round one is Trivial Pursuit goes to Ryan. <laughs> Boom. Mic drop. Don't worry. I'll get you. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll see. Um, um, well, so, right. But, but, yeah, I mean, obviously this is all connected, right? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, all coming so, together. Yeah, so so they're you know getting ready to go back to the father tree halt, and you know Poole's saying, you know, I'm not too sad to leave here because I want to go back to where you know Dushine and Scouter were born, um, and 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 be there and and protect that halt or whatever. And interestingly, I thought that it was really kind of neat that you know Talit points out, um, you know how she how the how the Junsland is her home. Thorny Mountain Holt is where she was born and lived most of her life. So I just thought that was interesting, interesting perspective. And, and it's true, you know, she is the only only one of them that was really born there um, of the Wolf Riders. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So what's what's happening here? Uh, are they is everybody going? Well, it sounds it sounds like at least, you know, the the scouter Tilly Dushine family is going. Pool's uh, going too. Yeah, right? that's what I mean. Like so the four of them. Um but let's you know, then we see um Free Touch, she's talking about not being able to finish Tear's vest because she's out of fur and she sent her brother and Mender off to get it, but they're too busy, you know, being disgustingly cute out in the woods and so they don't come back in time. But there's no indication <laughs> that yeah. um that any of the rest of them are going so i don't know yeah i don't know uh but so in this scene though have they received the call to go i mean i guess that's what happened right what do you mean receive the call to go oh like yeah yeah I, i think it's assumed that that they have reached out to to lead like sunstream or somebody has reached out to them and said we need to lead right and so they're all they're going. Yeah, maybe it's just their that family then, like Talit's family. Yeah, right. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it doesn't say, and I, I, yeah. I'm, that didn't really. I, the question didn't spring into my mind when I read it. So I'm just looking here to see if there's any indication. Yeah, I mean, I guess on the one hand, why would they all go? But on the other hand, I also kind of feel like. Again, we're we're down to seven issues left. Yeah, and I kind of feel like they probably are going to kind of reunite the Wolf Riders. Is my guess, and mm-hmm. you know, I could see that this this being what brings them all back together, even if it's just temporarily, um, right. which I, I'm not opposed to. I kind of want to see the you know the full Wolf Rider tribes reunited, and um, you know, just like the old days. So reunited. Yeah, it feels so good. Yes. I I can't imagine that they're gonna do like another side story with Ember's tribe at this stage of the game f- to have them be at no. High- no. Right? We already got that in the first arc. Exactly. So I feel like maybe now they all are gonna go. Uh, yeah. Um. Yeah. So let's talk about Mender and Dark. Well. Being... Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. No, I was just gonna say. Um. 
if there's a war coming, which it seems like there quite possibly will be a war, uh, they're going to need everybody. So, Although it would probably be smart to have some of them safe on another continent too. Well, that's, yeah, that's a good point. You know, sort of the whole idea of splitting Ember's tribe off, you know, giving Mm -hmm. Ember her own, her own faction was to preserve the way in case the, the battle for the shards turned out poorly and all the wolf riders that went to battle were slaughtered. Yeah. yeah. So maybe you're right. Maybe they are going to, um, just stay there and, um, yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Okay, uh, yeah, Mender and Dart being uh, extre- <laughs> extremely... Um, They're totally in that honeymoon for. phase, right? They're yeah, like... it's a little... It's a little... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> a little over the top, guys. Like, it's not going to be that good forever. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, but you know what? Yeah. Let them let them enjoy themselves, yeah, right? It's like, but it's like you're so hot. No, you're hot. You're you're hot. All right. Like, they're, like, it's teenagers. like teenagers. It totally, yeah. Which I think is totally cute and adorable. So you know, I'm all for letting them enjoy their uh, their newfound like love mate ship. Um, yeah. So and and by oh, the way, wow. actually, I'm glad I just said that because sugary sweet. A what? It make it's sugary. It's sugary sweet. Sugary sweet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it makes um, my teeth hurt. Um, I almost feel like this is sort of, um, maybe setting something up for how it's not going to be so nice. I think they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna end up fine in the end. But uh-huh. Mender. Mender's got that dark side to him. Well, yeah. right, um, yeah, and the, and you know and that saying. there has obviously been um, that's been of that totally, and we haven't really yes. seen it play out um, after him, you know, melting Junsman in the very beginning, which is what led <laughs> Dart being like calling him out on it. So there's got to be something more with that that happens before the end. Yeah. Is my guess, but um, but no. Well, I thing... hope to see him melting some more Jonesmen. <laughs> um, I I think that there's probably a good chance of that. <laughs> um, yes. Although, but what, one thing I did want to clarify because I, uh, by the way, I love when Wendy goes gruesome. Just oh oh, me too for sure, absolutely. Um, the uh, there was a question about the status of Dart and Mender, and and mm-hmm. um, in the discussions on this issue, and I think some folks were under the impression that they were life mates. And I went back and I read that, that initial scene where they kind of, um, again, it was at the sort of the, the big chief's howl in celebration of cutter. And what, what Mender says there is that, you know, that, that dart has something that he's never had a life mate. And I think he was referring to, um, Shushan and that not saying that they were going to be life mates. And so, hmm. because in this scene, Mender calls Dart love mate. And so I think that they're yeah. just love mates. They're not yeah. life mates. Um, yeah. You know, who knows what will happen? Um, maybe that will be where they go eventually. But for right now, they're just, you know, committed love mates, not just sort of a passing casual thing. Like basically Mender is with everyone. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I, it's never been 100% clear to me what the distinction is. I, when I first started ElfQuest, uh, when I started reading it, I always thought that Lifemate referred to 
recognized couples. Uh-huh. And anything other than that, they were love mates. But I'm not certain that that is actually the case. I think it just it's dependent on the characters and what how they define it for themselves. Right? Yeah, I mean, here's how I break it down. I mean, one though with with that that if that were the schematic, mm-hmm. Nightfall and Redlands don't fit into that because they were life mates, but they weren't recognized. Mm-hmm. Right. So the way that I yeah. break it down, I, I think. A life mate is obviously sort of the elfin equivalent of of married, right? You're you're they're in a committed, you know, sort of oftentimes exclusive, but as we know with the elves, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know, they're 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 sort of like this this is who I'm going to be with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think love mates are are I think there's two shades of love mates. I think love mate refers to anybody that you do it with, right? Yeah, like you know. And in that case, almost everybody's a love mate of each other. But, you know, when they call it directly to each other, typically it's, you know, two elves or three elves that are kind of in a, you know, they're sort of like dating their boyfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend, whatever. That's how I think of like when they when they really refer to each other as love mate. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think, again, like you could say, like, I, I think the way that I think about it and write about it when I have to make the distinction I use the term committed love mates and that's what Dart okay. and Mender, right? Um, you know, Skywise has lots of love mates, but none of them are like committed love mates, right? No. In the yeah. same way, right? Right. Um, right? You know, I mean, frankly, you know, Dart and Chemo probably have rolled in the furs as Wendy has, has said. And, you know, they're sort of maybe like lowercase love mates yeah. versus something like, um, uh, you know, Dart and Mender here, or in the in the very beginning of the story, the way that say Scouter and Dushine were, mm-hmm. um, you know, love mates with a capital L. Um, that's how I think of it anyway. I think there's like sort yeah. of Lucy Lucy love mates, and then I think there's like committed love mates, and then the next step is life mates. And yeah, certainly it seems like most life mates are recognized in ElfQuest, but not exclusively. Right. No, not exclusively. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Do you think um, you brought up Skywise that Skywise and Foxfur were committed love mates? Ah, that's a good question. I mean, they were so young and there really wasn't anybody else um, of the feminine persuasion, since we know that's Skywise preference, um, that was unattached. Yeah. I always got the sense that that was a little bit more serious, though, than his... The love mates he's had since. Yeah, I, yeah, and I well, that would make sense because um, you know if that was really his first capital L committed love mate. Yeah. Then what happened to her could really mm-hmm. have driven him to deciding, you know what, I'm not going to get that invested because yeah, maybe you know. That's so that's really an interesting, traumatizing. Yeah, yeah. An interesting theory. Um, yeah, I like here how um, <clears throat> Dart says uh, riding the call in open sending. Oh, the open sending from Ember. Right. And um, just sort of reiterates that point that the call is something that is sort of ubiquitous at this point. They can all sense it at all times. Yeah. And that sort of background hum, I think, is how it's been referred to. Well, and, 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 you know, this goes all the way back to the original quest. You know, if you remember the the palace has its own innate call. Right. Mm hmm. And, you know, when the wolf riders finally get up to the frozen mountains, they could feel it. And it's actually, you know, that go back says to Skywise, like we used to be 
wanderers following the great deer herds. And then one day we felt the call of the palace and we were drawn to it. And so what Sunstream has done is, you know, he's basically kind of amped that up. So now it spreads throughout the whole, you know, sort of, well, I think the palace itself has that aura around it, right? That, that, um, that kept it from, you know, sort of totally being crushed by the glacier. And I think that that aura used to just be like tight around it back when in the, in the original quest. And I think from what we've learned in the final quest, the, the el- immortal elfin spirits are tied to the palace. And maybe back then um, it was more sort of closer to the walls of the palace. But I think, you know, as more time passed after the glacier revealed it and it got restored with um, with uh, the glider's magic that the aura has expanded. And now in Final Quest, we know that it encompasses the entirety of the world of two moons. Mm-hmm. And so if if the if elves within the aura are able to feel the the call with sunstreams amping up of it i think that's what that's how i'm interpreting all of this does right. that make sense yeah 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 that makes so, sense and so that that you know you had mentioned you know they basically called for for Talit. i'm sure that kimo and shenchen sitting in shuna's hut over in junslin on the plains could tap into the call and send to um to Talit all the way across the ocean in Junslin and in, th- in High Windsault. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Cuz didn't we see that already? Yeah. I mean, didn't we see Strongbow? Yeah, Strongbow. Um I think didn't we see Strongbow send to Moonshade in the palace like that? Maybe. In a prior issue? Possibly. In the issue Yeah, I think it was last issue. Yeah. And it says the same thing like all right, now I have to look. <laughs> okay. Um, it's like, yeah, but yeah. I think um, that's exactly if, if memory serves me. You know, mm-hmm. it's so interesting with Final Quest. I mean, so much mm-hmm. of this is new. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if this were the original Quest, I could probably quote the page in the panel. But mm-hmm. I haven't read Final Quest like thousands of times over the course no. of decades. So it's like um, I have to like kind of refer back here, and I don't have all the details quite as – memorized as i otherwise might but mm-hmm. um let's see here um well anyway while, while i'm doing this um yeah i think uh i don't know that there's anything else to really discuss in this one is there? i think i think we covered everything we covered yeah everything i wanted to talk about i think so too all right wait i found the page here it's in um issue 15 and um, it, yeah, it's when Strongbow sends to Moonshade, and um, it says, singing like the mightiest of arrows just released, the call carries his sending far beyond a wolf rider's limited range to the distant palace of the High Ones. So that's hmm. that's where I first, you know, sort of developed that theory that, you know, now that the call is going out, it's basically going out across the entire palace's aura which now reaches across the entire world of two moons, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. whereas again, maybe when the glacier first revealed it and the palace kind of woke up, the aura was just kind of around the frozen mountains. Yeah. Um, you know, cause remember Lord ball says I can see it as they approach the frozen mountains. Yeah. And, yeah. and it says that the wolf riders can't see it, but they could feel it. And again, you get that go back saying again, that we could feel the call. It was drawing us in. That's right. what I think 
the pals naturally does. I think Sunstream's ability was to sort of, you know, reach out and, and make sure that all the elves were connected by it. And now that they are, and they've transferred that part of Sunstream's power over to the palace, it's riding the call and they can all kind of tap into it. You know, I mean, we've, we've used the analogy of it being kind of like, you know, the palace being like the, the internet, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like global Wi-Fi, Right. So, um, just jump onto the signal. Yeah. So, um, yeah, with that, I think, um, yeah, that covers everything I wanted to talk to talk about in about issue 18. So (sighs) I miss Murph. (laughs) I, I like Murph too. Um, so yeah, I just want to see him again. I I have a feeling we're going to see some more of Murph. I mean, he's been, you know, maybe since Venka and two edge aren't, uh, an item anymore then maybe murph and venka could like well they did something going they on. did um you know <clears throat> seem to share a dance when they celebrated for kavi yeah. but if if, if venka is actually gonna end up pairing off with somebody mm-hmm. i want it to be that uh the the female go back warrior with the oh yeah i am with obsessed the... with her i don't know why you like her nose yes i love her nose <laughs> she's got this very you know the it's like a classic <laughs> aquiline or aquiline however you pronounce that word mm-hmm. yeah the, the roman nose and it's like most elves have these like little upturned noses mm-hmm. and she just has this sort of elegant like romanesque totally nose, and i just yeah. think she's awesome i don't know why but she's right there snuggled up to venka too so i'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna put my 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 shipping dollars on those two. Yeah, maybe a three mating, or, or, or and maybe Murph could play too. But right? yeah, <laughs> All um, right. you know what? Just before we go, I just want to say uh, the Junsman that we're seeing right now. Oh yeah, he's got a big hook nose too. I'm I'm surprised though that uh, we don't have a name for him yet because um, he seems to be somewhat of a, a major villain now at this point but yeah i don't know he's, you know com- what his name is or anything about him it's actually kind of funny well not funny but just surprising that the jun is dead at this point because it, there seems to be a vacuum now as far as like who the villain is of this piece and i know that ElfQuest doesn't you know need to follow that trope right but um this guy seems to be sort of stepping into that role, but I, like I feel like it's sort of in between at this point. Like, is he or isn't he a villain? And if he is, then I want to know more about him. Like, who yeah. is this guy? Well, so here's, I think that's a really you know a good observation, and I thought about this a little bit. I think that at this stage of the game, you know, Elfquest has already had you know it's sort of you know it's quote unquote big bads, right? I mean, there was. Guttlecraw in the original quest. Will has served that role. Um, mm-hmm. Rayek has to a degree as well. And then the Juns, right? And so I don't think that, like the way that I see it in Final Quest, I see the humans as this sort of collective, um, collective threat, right? Right. And I don't, I don't think the story calls for coming up with yet another dictator type. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's for the, for, you know, the, the purpose of the story at this stage, I think, you know, it's sort of the Jun's legacy that's coming for them. Um, it's almost like his specter, and it's being led by this guy, the commander of Sea and War. You know, who's sitting on the throne back, back in Jun's You know, I don't think that we're going to get into that that at all, nor do I think we need to. I just no. think at this stage of the game, for the purposes 
of this sort of final story arc, a final quest, there does need to be a threat, an external threat. It's obviously going to be the human army, which is kind of fitting because that has been the, you know, was the first threat that the elves faced when they landed there. So, mm-hmm. um, so with that in mind, maybe we'll never get a name for this guy mm-hmm. other than commander and seeing more. Cause I don't think again, Wendy and Richard want the focus to be on like this, like evil human baddie. They just right. want the human, you know, sort of horde to be, this big amorphous threat that is looming over the elves in their final hours on the world of two moons. That's, that's my take. Hmm. Yeah. No, I can see that. All right. But, um, I know, yeah. I know you totally thought about him because of his nose after the, <laughs> the conversation. <laughs> yeah. It might've triggered something. Yeah, yeah. Cause he definitely has, uh, you know, he could open a beer bottle with that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yes. Oh, my goodness. All right, well, we are just at the two-hour mark, and I think that is probably a good place to to end. So Perfect. um, Unless you have any other final thoughts. No, I'm good. I'm good to go. All right, excellent. Well, good episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, As always, feel free to leave comments right here on SoundCloud. Leave them on the ElfQuest homepage where this will be posted or, you know, on Facebook or anywhere else we we post this. And, um, you know, we'll... We'll chat it up with you and hopefully answer some questions or, you know, get your thoughts that we can put into the next episode. So um, until next time, enjoy ElfQuest. All right. Later. The music that you heard at the top of the podcast was a track called Hunting for Experience by Epicus from their album An Epic Journey. You can find music by Epicus and thousands of other artists royalty-free for your podcast or multimedia projects on gemendo.com. That's J-A-M-E-N-D-O dot com. Well, that's it for this episode of the ElfQuest Show podcast. As always, you can join the discussions on ElfQuest.com, on Twitter at, at ElfQuest, or on any of several Facebook pages, including the official ElfQuest Facebook page and the ElfQuest Facebook fan page. Don't forget, you can read the entire ElfQuest back catalog at ElfQuest.com, along with tons of other great stuff like character bios, behind-the-scenes features, and more. The Final Quest is published by Dark Horse Comics, and you can get the latest issue of ElfQuest the minute it comes out at digital.darkhorse.com. Until next time, shade and sweet water.